salt cravings this is a podcast where we have cravings and then we solve them my name's claire and my name's brianna and today i've uh got this like ancient talisman i was inspired by this documentary called indiana jones and so i went into the nearest um uh temple um just down the street um, right. and like evaded all the traps. And then even though there were signs that were like, please do not steal the priceless artifacts. This is not a joke. I realized right. that satire is kind of just like that happens in temples. So I, I get that it was kind of just edging me on. It was, it was kind of just like a, we dare you to. Yeah, they, there was, it wasn't a recognition of the, the importance of these cultural artifacts. It was just a, no. a bit. It was just satire, as we know. Everything is 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 a joke, including uh-huh. in temples, especially in temples. <laughs> so I took it and faced zero consequences after escaping a number of death traps. Something about it shakes up the vibes. Not a big deal. I'm gonna hold it up to the camera. Uh-huh. Um, and uh and right. can, yeah, uh, I wanna see this talisman. I, I, I would love to see it. I would love to yeah. see it held up to the camera. Yeah, so here is the talisman. <laughs> Can you describe the talisman for me? I'm having a hard time describing yeah, the talisman. It's very uh, it has some nice curves. Uh-huh. Um so <laughs> It's fairly longish and has some curves and ridges. Mm-hmm. Um sort of shaped a little bit like a lobster claw. Um <laughs> It has some, it has like some buttons on it. If I, um, uh, <laughs> something about the vibes, you know? We're going to get. Oh, <laughs> uh, do they allow this? <laughs> this allowed? The vibes, the vibes, Brianna. This is the weirdest vibe check I've ever seen. <laughs> So it feels like uh, the vibes have shifted a little bit, thanks to the talisman. Yeah, I'm feeling very much like I'm having a different vibe. Yeah, I feel like like I've been vibe-checked. A new vibe has come upon me. Yeah, I feel like my vibe feels very much sort of like what I imagine your vibe feels like. That's really weird, because I'm really thinking about outer space and blaster pistols a lot more recently. And I feel yeah, like this is maybe of, your vibe. Uh-huh. I've been thinking a lot about discourse, and I just, like, <laughs> I know what a computer is and how it works now. So that's really strange. I couldn't... Um, I don't know what a computer is. <laughs> wow. It's like some sort of freaky shift. Freaky vibe day. Well, it's we are recording this on a Sunday, so maybe it's freaky Sunday. Freaky fun day. Do you want to tell me what your first craving is and get these vibes rolling? Yeah, let's get these vibes rolling. <laughs> Love this extremely. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing cravings that, that the other person tends to bring today. That's the, that's the vibe we're doing today. Haha, <laughs> that's the bit. I'm starting us off with a craving that I think both of us have been having. I think it's a shared craving, really. Um, okay. So like... I want a game that makes me feel like Hades does. 
Hades is the best goddamn game right now for me. For me, I'm obsessed with Hades. I'm constantly craving Hades. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I want another game that makes me feel like this. What What is the feeling? Um, because I've only killed my father once, and I know I need to kill him nine more times before he actually like lets me out. You should kill your father more times, for sure. Have you already um, killed him t- ten times? Yes. I heard the ending was kind of bad. Eh, it's not, yeah, I'm not huge on it. Um, okay. It's like one of those <laughs> endings where it's like, I know you had to do this ending because and you want to be able to play the game even after that. And so, like, I understand how you get to that ending, but it doesn't have nearly enough fuck dad's energy. I absolutely um, refuse to give him any nectar, and I don't want his bullshit, like, trinkets. Listen, you don't get his trinket until post. It's a whole thing thing yeah so i i have mixed feelings about the ending of that game um here's my here's my critiques with hades okay and then i'm just gonna go into like how much i love it um critiques <laughs> the ending i don't think is is necessarily fantastic it could be more recognition that hades is the worst dad just a terrible dad i don't care about the whatever the the big main plot shit he's just a bad dad my other critique is I'm not huge on the designs of the Olympians because everyone is ashy as hell, which doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Um, All of their skin just looks extremely ashy, and I don't understand why. They make their skin look good. Everything, all all the other art in this game is absolutely beautiful. I don't understand how this happened. Like, the texture? There's a lot of critiques often levied at artists who draw darker skin in a way that just, like, doesn't look like skin or looks like, like, badly maintained and taken care of skin, right? Mm. Um, where it'll be, like, a certain tone that just makes it look kind of grayish. Um, mm-hmm. And and this is something you can see in a lot of, especially, like, white people's art. In Hades, everyone's ashy, including the white <laughs> people. It's just, like, everyone looks sort of gray. And I understand the thing that they're going for. Because, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's the, the underworld. underworld. But yeah. also the Olympians also look gray. And I don't understand why the Olympians would. Because yeah. they're they're literally Greek gods. They're literally in, in Olympus. Living in luxury. It, yeah. makes, it does not make sense. Uh, Especially Aphrodite. Yes, exactly. The art choices don't make sense on that level. And therefore I will not defend them on that level. And so that's my other critique of Hades. On every other level, I think this game... Uh, kicks ass i think the the story is good i think a lot of it looks really good and and the gameplay especially um is super good the the gameplay just rocks every time i play that game i'm like this is the best thing in the world. <laughs> and then i stop playing that game and i'm like what if i played more of that game and that's really where i'm at with it can i get can i can we can we just make it i don't know can i just have another game that makes me uh as excited as this one does you can there's at least two other games like this uh called bastion and transistor are the other super giant games as good as this okay so like no because what hades is is a refinement of like all of their games bastion Mm -hmm. i think is an excellent narrative 
game that like, you know, they're starting off on their mechanic, like literally Bastion is their first publication, but like the dodging, the mechanics, like all the shooting mechanics, uh, the punching, all of your mechanics, all your weapons from Hades, you will, you will immediately recognize that they were birthed in Bastion. Your dodging mechanics birthed in Bastion. It still feels just as good there. The difference is like the way story is told. Um, I would say is better in Hades. Actually, I have critiques on the way story is told in Hades. I think it might actually be better in Bastion, but it's a little more limited in Bastion. That's Bastion's failings. Transistor brings in the idea of modifying weapons. You know how in Hades you have your, basically your dash, attack, special, and cast? Like, you can then modify them further. What Transistor introduces is exactly that mechanic. You get a bunch of, like, items and you can attach them as either an attack or a boon to that attack okay i haven't played pyre but i've heard some very 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 good things about the story and that it struggles mechanically and then there's hades which takes the best parts of the mechanics and it turns it into a roguelike i think my biggest critique of hades is it can feel really disjointed in its storytelling at times because like I would be like 10 runs in and I would get someone's introduction after I had met them five times before and it's like oh I've been told about you and it's like dude we've talked like a dozen times already what is up so that's so funny because (laughs) I've never gotten that I've never dealt with that that's I feel like that's probably a function of you just being very good at the game very quickly. My skill level is not the expected skill level because my skill level plateaus really quickly because I played Bastion and Transistor this year. So I was very used to the mechanics. And on my very first run, I made it to Elysium, which I'm pretty sure is unexpected. That's Um, absolutely unexpected. My first run, (laughs) I died to Megara. (laughs) Like... I've never that, died to any of the Furies, ever. Like That's, that's fucking wild to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I've the only boss I've ever died to is Hades and the Minotaur. Not even The- or you mean Theseus and the Minotaur, or just the Minotaur? The Minotaur in Theseus and a Minot and the Minotaur. I've never died to Theseus. Fuck Theseus so much. Uh and oh, also I've never Theseus. died to the Minotaur by himself. Um I've I've died to Theseus. I don't know that I've ever actually died to the Minotaur by himself. I've died to spikes because spikes are kind of a new thing. I've died to like like a lot of the traps, because traps are a new thing unless they're introduced in Pyre. Again, my knowledge of Pyre is very limited. But then my skill level plateaus because like everyone sort of passes me because you're getting used to it for what it is and i am coming into it oh this is bastion this is transistor gives me this really weird progression in the story that doesn't make sense yeah i'm their edge case super giant hire me to bug test your games because i'm good at breaking things and i've proved it yet again (laughs) once again i have broken the game <laughs> so that's my biggest critique, I guess. But I but I I think that this is absolutely a game that is made for you've never played a super giant game before. This yeah. to me is is the vibe of of this game. For it's worth I've seen lots of people who I know playing this game who either like weren't gamers or didn't play like indie games or only played like the big releases. This has really been kind of one of those games that everyone's playing. I I looked on my Switch when I was playing Hades one time, and there were six people online, and five <laughs> of them were playing Hades. Like, that's what this We're game back is. to Animal Crossing vibes, where I well, log yes, on, and ten people... of course, the six people... person was playing Animal Crossing. 
Uh, <laughs> of course, yes. Very much those vibes. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm not usually part of like cultural moments like this because I don't get mm-hmm. games until several years later. So I don't <laughs> like paying full price. I probably am going to go try Supergiant games, but will it give me the same feeling that I get, you know? No, it won't because there's not like a way to, to replicate perfectly. Anyway, all of this is to say that, yes, you can tell that perhaps I've been craving Hades. Uh, and yeah i'll probably have to go back and play some other super giant games but also um i just would like more things like this that just like get me excited about like oh man i'm excited to die over and over and try and <laughs> go back at it again because when a game can make me excited to die i then i know i'm having fun i mean in terms of other games that you could be excited to die in i guess Give Mario Necromancer powers? Super Mario Hades. <laughs> okay, but the idea of, like, a Mario where you could, like, spawn a ghost Mario and jump on it is <laughs> wicked cool. The Mario and Luigi games, but it's just Mario and Mario, but one of the Marios is an undead Mario. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. A Mario roguelike is maybe the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's just Mario Maker. I guess, yeah, it is, huh? Except roguelike, I think you have to be able to, you know, go back to start and get stronger in some way. Because otherwise, any game where you're bad at it is a roguelike. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, there's a lot of games that are roguelike suddenly. (laughs) Turns out any first-person shooter is a roguelike for me. I don't know. (laughs) Call of Duty is actually the best roguelike. My personal favorite roguelike is Overwatch. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day I will kill my father in Overwatch. Winston is the father to all of us. We can talk talk about video games no longer. Uh, That's that's it. That's our, that's the limit is when Winston gets brought up, you gotta shut it down. Winston is the point of no return. Do you want to tell me about what you're craving? I watched the first two episodes of Star Wars recently. (laughs) i and i've been i've been messaging you about it um Mm -hmm. of course (laughs) uh and and the reason is like because i want to watch the clone wars but i want to talk about fucking episode two for a second yeah Um, uh no let's get it listen hey everyone hey everyone (laughs) um you know how i said i wasn't gonna bring a star wars craving (laughs) yeah Turns out I didn't have to. Uh, we're getting into the Star Wars time. I'm gonna start putting like timestamps in the description if you want to skip over all the Star Wars talk, but you shouldn't because it's gonna be some wicked great Star Wars talk. Anyway, Claire, let's talk about episode two. My craving is the death of the 90s and early 2000s cool guy energy because mm. holy shit, Anakin. Yeah is just manipulative and bad. Yeah. Holy shit. Anakin is Edward from Twilight. That is... No, he's so much worse. How is Anakin worse than Edward? I Ash has also expressed this opinion, and I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they are basically on the same level. If you're going to try and tell me Edward's not a crypto-fash, like, <laughs> that book was written by a Mormon. I don't know what you want. <laughs> Now, it has been some time since I've read and or watched Twilight, so my memory is probably a little hazy there. But most of the time, 
Edward was like, if you don't love me, that sucks. And then Edward like would quietly go off and try to kill himself and then end up being saved for some reason. Anakin straight up is like, every moment I'm not with you, I'm hurting. I'll fucking die if you ever leave me. Like, I can't, yeah. I cannot be apart from you anymore. I would suffer. And it, and then just, like, forces himself on Padme in one scene. And then in, like, the next scene is, like, and then you kissed me. And now this is your fault. And it's, like, yes. fuck off. Holy shit. Um, Anakin... I first of all, I think there are more similarities between Anakin and Edward than you remember having watched the Twilight movies recently. They're different types of manipulation and they are both extremely manipulative. But I will say Anakin sucks so bad. <laughs> He's just the worst. So many of the faults of the prequels are like it doesn't communicate effectively enough what you're supposed to be feeling about all of the obviously fucked up things that are happening, right? I just want to say The Fault in Our Stars is actually about Anakin because it's the, the stars and he's the fault in those stars. The Fault in Our Star Wars. Of, of, <laughs> the, the fault. <laughs> um, it wasn't the war. It wasn't the narrative on clones or droids. It was Anakin. Anakin, to me, reads as such a realistic portrayal of a person specific mm. type of person that exists and the fact that everyone just sort of goes along with his stuff and like doesn't challenge it outwardly but like tries to make some sorts of like oh hey maybe you shouldn't do that but like doesn't really it's, do anything uh, about it is so realistic to to the reality that like i can only imagine it? sorry there's just a scene in episode two where he goes and murders an entire village and then comes back and okay, is yeah. like sad and is like, to be clear, I didn't only kill the men, I killed the women and the children. And then Padme's like, we've all had hard days. Yes. No, the way <laughs> Padme reacts to Anakin is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, the it's... only way that I am able to square it... The only way that I'm able to square it and that I'm able to make it make sense and it doesn't fit with Padme's actual characterization but if I imagine Padme as like a democrat <laughs> then I can make it make sense <laughs> I mean she is a politician but like it's just so ridiculous to me everything about how Anakin is just the worst and is outwardly obviously the worst and doesn't even pretend to not be the worst and everyone is just like oh, he's having a hard day i've had a lot of hard days i've never slaughtered a village right but here's the thing but including but you have... the children right no for sure i mean listen this and is then not the bragging last time about gonna... killing the children this is not going to be the last time anakin slaughters children <laughs> <laughs> Here's my thing is, I think it sucks and is gross, and I don't think that the prequels frame it in the way that they should, which is, everyone should be <laughs> able to tell that Anakin is a problem. And the yeah, fact that he is that, the bad person. Here's my argument as to why I think this is realistic, other than Padme, who I think is just like, you know, you deserved better. Um, yeah, but poorly like, characterized, bad Very writing. poorly characterized. But I think the way the Jedi react to Anakin makes so much sense. It makes so much sense the way that they react to Anakin, which is like, they don't do anything because they're hoping he will be the savior. And they're mm -hmm. just sort of like, well, you know, um, and this is something that I think 
does seem a little bit more intentional in kind of later seasons of the Clone Wars is like everyone kind of knows that Anakin is sketch. People are aware of it. It's even implied at at certain points throughout the series that, like, people know about Anakin and Padme. This is a thing that is known, and they're all just not addressing it because he's useful for the war. He's useful as the chosen one. They don't really know how to deal with him because he came in late and he has attachments to his mother and he was raised as a slave. There's this, this kind of, I think, I don't know whether it's intentional or not, but it's not made clear enough that, like, Anakin is bad, and people know this, and they're just sort of ignoring it. That, to me, feels so realistic to the way that people treat Anakin-like figures. Um, <laughs> ignoring problems until they blow up? Hmm. Yes. Could never I mean, be that's the any Jedi institution. Yeah. That's the Jedi way, right? That is, that is the story of the Jedi. And on that level, I think I wish that the prequels were more clear-cut about that, because they also can't be too clear-cut about the Jedi being bad, because the Jedi are supposed to be, at least on paper, marketable. The good guys. You have to um, be able to sell more Yoda toys. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we we need the death of that specific archetype. I think like Anakin is at it at its most toxic. I think like Anakin, in a weird way, I think might have contributed to the death of that specific version of the <laughs> archetype. I think it's continued on in certain ways, but Anakin mm-hmm. was so far to the like whiny angry end of that spectrum that it was child right like was so man child that i think it kind of gave people a wake-up call and we're like huh we shouldn't do this hey we shouldn't (laughs) we should at the very least you know we're not gonna get better about our representations of men because we need to make different shitty archetypes right we need some new shitty archetypes do you have more to say about episode two no, well, I mean, yes, but probably yeah. not for now. No, why not now? There's always more time to talk about it. My one other thing, they cut to the wedding out yeah. of nowhere at uh-huh. the very end. It's uh-huh. like, also the ending is bad. And also it never feels like Padme wants to be there. It doesn't. Why would they get married? She clearly doesn't want to get married. And it's not like she's like being pressured in. She's a sitting senator. She (laughs) has more power in this relationship. She's older. She's a sitting senator. She's like six years older. Also six years older. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's not good. So one of the things that that Ash and I watched is the making of documentary for episode one, Mm -hmm. which is a documentary in which everyone knows the movie that they're making is bad. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic, but it's very hard to see like the actors for young Anakin and and Padme, oh. the two of them there, and you're like in those videos, like the child is is something like I think he's nine, and Natalie Portman is sixteen, like right, yeah, yeah, it's super duper fucked. Star Wars is, I think, a series that has a lot of terrible heterosexual relationships in it um <laughs> and no homosexual relationships. and no homosexual relationships which like i don't i don't want, want them, them to, to do try. it uh, right yeah please um, you can't even do straight people right please stay away from our gays like i i know who in star wars is queer i've decided it's bb8 uh-huh bb8 yeah no i have my my very long list of star wars queer head canons 
Um, and it is not every character. Han Solo is straight. Um, <laughs> Luke, you're a gay man now. <laughs> Muscle- <laughs> I don't know how to do with Darth Vader's Scottish voice. Um, <laughs> did you hear about our Luke? He's a gay man, no. I think the, one of the other fucked up parts about it is it's very unclear whether George Lucas thinks it's, it's the worst. Um, like I just don't think that man should be allowed to touch sci-fi again. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I also am like, you know, I don't know that Disney Star Wars is any better, but I am glad it's out of his hands. Clone Wars did a lot of work on Anakin. Uh, I don't know how you mm-hmm. fix Attack of the Clones Anakin. Who is? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking forward to a well characterized character who I can hate rather than totally. a character who is framed as you should like this character and I don't. Is that is that a, a good Star Wars conversation? <laughs> I guess so. It solves my craving. We will just exterminate Anakin. We will exterminate Anakin and Anakin alikes across the galaxy. That's my evil Sith plan. If you elect me as Sith, I will ban Anakin. I call it the Banakin. As your supreme chancellor, I <laughs> will destroy all of the whiny, angsty, manipulative young men in the galaxy. Shall we talk about the fan craving? We could skip it. No, no, I don't think we can. We have a duty to the people, the people of this podcast. All right, before we jump into it, hi, this is a content warning. We're going to do. Uh huh. We're going to be talking about cannibals. Wait, wait. before people uh, hear the content warning, you got to do the intro for the fraving. Oh, fraving! It's the fraving, fraving! It's fraving, fraving. Oh, there are ones raving on the sea. <laughs> we cannot deprive the people of the intro. Now let's talk about the content warning. From now on, because of this. Crazy. Yeah, so content warning. <laughs> we're going to be talking about cannibalism for some fucking reason. Because he... <laughs> it's, Yuck. All right. Yeah, uh-huh. So this comes to us from at MonsterPure on uh, Twitter. It says, hey, Salt Cravings. My craving is a little wordy. So I know sailors used to do cannibalism. It was normal. But like, why didn't they just fish? My craving is the answer to why didn't they just eat fish? <laughs> For background, at Monster Pure is my roommate. <laughs> we had a great conversation. And I think it needs to be asked. It's a question that needs to be asked. Why didn't they just eat fish? By the way, yes, it was extremely like common to to talk about like sailors doing cannibalism there are paintings of it of like particularly egregious examples but it's like generally accepted that like this was a thing that happened often i have i have the answer the thing is i i told you the answer the correct answer last night i would love nothing more than to solve this craving in like uh two seconds because i do have the answer yeah so what's Um, the answer claire the answer uh, to why didn't they just eat fish was because they love the taste of semen. Uh-huh. 
So we can move on, Great. right? We don't have no. to talk about cannibalism no. now. No, I think we need to talk about. I think we no. Tried. I think we need to talk about. I'm the sorry, issue, everybody. You know? I I tried. You tried, but no, because like, cause here's the thing. Why didn't they just eat fish? Because it's not like they didn't know how. Because to Because they fish. love the taste of seamen. They they know how to fish, presumably. You c- they could have lived off fish. It's not like humans were giving them the nutrition they needed that fish didn't. Um, <laughs> they could have lived off fish for a while. And also, you know, like, even with supplies right now, you know, you could fish, you know? So were they, like, literally eating each other while they were on a boat in the middle of an ocean? Or was this, like, happens... sailors, like, after they come back? It's usually when they get shipwrecked that they tend to get into cannibalism. Sometimes, yeah. So they don't have their fishing equipment? I assume they would have something. If you were, like, on a deserted island, you could make the things you needed to fish. I bet that you could. That is easier said than done. Also, like, fish aren't near islands, right? Deserted islands, usually. Sometimes they are. Probably less fish, though. And if you have, like, 30 people on an island, I bet you deplete the uh, island's resources in under a year that's true depending on the size of the island like usually they would die before a year to be clear um Mm, okay but but also like sometimes there would come times when they were just like on the sea on their voyage and they would resort to cannibalism and i don't understand how that happens i don't understand how you get to that point so fast is it just like a thing where it's like all right, we're all going to try and catch fish, and if anyone doesn't catch a fish, that's it. <laughs> the last you. one to catch a fish gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, like... You are the some, fish. Some pirate captain, or, or sailor captain, I guess, is just like, all right. So, we're out of uh, <laughs> uh, supplies. We're needing to catch fish. Uh, if anyone at the end of today doesn't catch a fish, I'm sorry you're not pulling your weight, and uh, we're going to eat you. Uh, sir, we don't... I don't think we need... To go to quite that extent. No, we have to eat them. It's the only way. It's the only way we're going to get through this. And then that day, everyone catches a fish. So the next day, and he's like, okay, if any of you catches only one fish, <laughs> we're going to eat you. Everyone catches two fish. All right. If anyone catches only two fish, sir, we have enough fish for everyone. This, no. This sounds like... What we're talking about is a cannibalist conspiracy theory to become sailors. Maybe oh. the cannibals were sneaking in to be sailors as like a cover, right? Like, because if I am a sailor, I love fish. There's no way I love the taste of human flesh. Just think about Hannibal. If they had an entire season where Hannibal became a seaman, no one would, like, no, he eats fish. What are you talking about? He, he goes and he fishes. Of course he doesn't eat people. I, (laughs) I think it's so funny, the idea that it's easier to teach cannibals to be sailors than it is to teach sailors to be cannibals. (laughs) Sailors to be sailors. Look, you teach a cannibal to fish. He eats for a day. You teach a <laughs> cannibal how to blend in with the fisherman. He eats for his rest of his life. <laughs> really for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. <laughs> the idea that people, that there was like this secret underground cannibal community, <laughs> they're all just like, you know what? I've heard that 
on ships, it's really easy to justify cannibalism. Yeah? Yeah, ships? Oh, maybe I should become a sailor. You know, yeah. Wait, I should also <laughs> become a sailor. On a different boat. On a different boat, of course. Yeah, uh, I just love the idea that, like, first day on the boat, they, like, get on the boat and, like, fuck, shit, Paul, you weren't supposed to be... Don't fucking blow my cover, man. We're cool, right? Don't make yeah, me yeah, eat yeah, you, man. Just, no, listen. We'll just split half of it. It's totally fine. <laughs> and then it's just the two of them, like, flash forward two months later on the deck with just, like, fish in their hands trying to, like, eat each other. Yeah, and that's they're, and that's They're Hannibal. using the fish as knives. It's and like that's a, It's like a knife fight, but with fish. Yeah, that's yes. that's the TV show. That's the TV show Hannibal to me. Does this answer the question? <laughs> they love the taste of seamen. Or, because there's a secret society that uh, becomes uh, sailors in order to hide that they love human flesh. It's one of the two. That's the yeah. answer. uh-huh. Take um, your pick. I, I think that those make sense to me. Um, this is my binary. I've created uh-huh. the only good binary. The only good binary is... <laughs> semen or Cannibal Secret Society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we can move past that one. Plus. In the interest of the vibes, I gotta get into some discourse. Um, <laughs> why I'm craving for non-binary AFAB lesbians to remember that trans women exist. <laughs> um, Do we, though? Have I, you ever right, actually exactly. felt like you exist? Because, I mean... I don't know. Seem kind of problematic to exist. I don't know about you. <laughs> I've noticed a trend in a lot of online spaces and a lot of spaces in general of just like, even when it's like not intentional, there's definitely a vibe of like, ah, yes, this is the trans experience is the, is to <laughs> grow up being expected to be a woman and then be alienated from womanhood and to realize that that you're not actually a woman. And that seems to be a certain sort of new trans experience, um, which is the experience for lots of people, <laughs> but it is absolutely, and I don't know that it's new, but this seems to be a kind of, of, of often the narrative. Um, and it's just like, I've always just like, do y'all know about the rest of us? We're also here. I'm just waiting for the book, Transness, from a certain point of view. God, um. <laughs> <laughs> nightmare, all cis authors. But yeah, that's my that's my craving here. Hey, we are also part of the lesbian community. You can also, it turns out, be trans and a lesbian the other way. It turns out um, <laughs> the other way, which I yeah. think is like when we talk about like the lesbian experience in big quotes right there. Yeah. Um, on top of that, on top of like the non-binary identity. And then we look at like the historical understanding of like lesbian being like the end goal means I don't have to date a man. Yeah. As like a radical idea in like the sexual revolution and the gender revolution. It makes sense why, you know, they feel because they can claim lesbian and also is the same reason we can. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? I mean, in terms of, like, your craving, I think it would just be, like, it feels like a lot of baby transes coming in from, like, this is my experience and this is the experience. I feel like we've all been 
in some aspect of that. Probably not that specifically, but definitely the like, especially, and this relates back to like the going on hormones. Puberty is a lot of like feelings, intense feelings, and that can exemplify this is my way of, of existence and no one can tell me otherwise or else they are like be or else they are being shitty is the thing and then that can that can then feed into like bad ideologies like how we see trans people recreating turf rhetoric (laughs) over and over again for real yeah that is that is part of this is like so yeah i think in general like a a lot of folks who are just kind of now coming to, to terms with their genders there's been definitely i think in quarantine a move for for lots of folks to, to start to recognize like and reckon with what their genders are, um, which I think is so good. And I'm so glad that people are are coming to terms and, and, and working out how they feel about themselves and their gender and their understanding. And I think it's also just like uh, maybe a testament to what communities currently exist, that when they conceive of transness and of their own transness, and the general kind of trend that trans women have no part in it. That that it is all this kind of, like, very particular type of experience of womanhood being a, a, a thing that they are now realizing they're alienated from, that they don't understand, and that, that all those things. And that's, and that's their experience, but there's, there's a point where it's like, but do y'all know how to act around like do y'all are do y'all feel like you are in you know in general it feels like for a lot of them it's like do y'all feel like you are in community with other trans uh people including trans women or are you in community Mm. with other afab (laughs) like because that a lot of the time is how it feels to me um it's mm. like sometimes you ever been to a party where we're the only trans women yes brianna <laughs> every party that we've been to yes uh not every party but, every but a major lot party them. it definitely feels like them, it yeah it, it it truly feels that way and it's like these other communities exist and are going through things and are doing things and as it turns out there's a lot of folks who i i don't think know know what to do with with all of that right because i think it's easy when your gender relies on and is is a core part of your gender is alienation from a womanhood that's been pushed onto you that Mm -hmm. it's difficult to see embrace of womanhood as a radical act um which it is Mm -hmm. for trans women and so like i think unintentionally people end up replicating a lot of sort of like of like trans misogynistic rhetoric or yeah. just like ignoring or just misogynistic it. rhetoric yes just to like tldr my understanding of what you're saying and what i think how i would put it is there's this idea that transness and womanhood are juxtaposed ideas mm. and they're not right um uh-huh. si- like period that that's just not true it's like saying transness and like uh manhood are juxtaposed I- ideas i feel like yeah. a lot of people would recognize that that's not true but for some reason you know there's this mainstream and and i won't even blame a lot of like baby trans people um and that that, that, i i just want to finish that because also not just baby trans people a lot of trans people because i don't want to like it's a lot of people period because like this is the mainstream idea this is what cis people have picked up on Mm-hmm. That transness means not womanhood. That is what yes. a cis understanding of transness has become in a lot of places. 
yeah, it's one thing to understand your own gender as being juxtaposed to womanhood, right? Or not identifying with a lot of parts of womanhood. And it's another thing to sort of exclusively surround yourself with people whose understanding of transness <laughs> is that, right? And to like, yeah, yeah, you you do end up falling into a pattern where it's like, you don't understand or know how to act around like trans women and don't know how to include them in your community because yeah. it's complicated when you have to see trans people who identify with the thing that you do not identify with. <laughs> um, and also when trans women have in general been heavily marginalized and stigmatized even within trans communities. The one other thing that I would say is really notorious is even within a lot of spaces that like narratively forefront trans women, I think a lot about um, how like a lot of marches in Vancouver yes. were like trans save women trans women. Yeah, exactly. But like within those spaces, you get yeah. the same rhetoric. So like, totally. it's a lot of unconscious rhetoric, which sucks because you can't directly engage with that as easily. People think they're good and that they're not. Right. Which is the human story, right? Like we should always yeah. be willing to unlearn our shitty behavior. Like when you're first starting to understand your own gender, it can be hard to be called out on your own understanding of gender because it's what cis people are trying to do to you. Yeah. And now you feel betrayed. Yeah. And it's like, and you know, it's, it's important for you to understand your gender however you want to. And, and it's, it's, it's great. And also, you know, then you have to be like, well, what does it mean to be in community with other people? A lot of this, I think, is why it's so easy for, like, crypto turfs to, like, infiltrate certain spaces and, like, for their ideas to to become, like, a part of this. Once you have accepted the idea that, like, gender doesn't matter and that we shouldn't bother with having genders and that it is inherently better to not be aligned with any particular gender... It's it's very easy for that to make the crossover into, like, and people who are, particularly trans women, are, like, archaic or... Um, are doing it for personal gain. Doing it for personal gain. Which on some level, like, yeah, because the personal gain is I don't feel like my brain is exploding. Yes, that exactly. could argue That could be argued as a personal gain. It's totally. a pretty good personal gain, you know, <laughs> but yeah. they're, they're thinking a lot more notorious, uh, evil scheming things. Yeah. Um, which, you know, comes from a projection of totally. their own understandings of gender. Yeah. Which sucks. The, the last thing that I'll say on this is like, I've seen talk of how it is lesbophobic to say that lesbian spaces often have a lot of transphobia in them. Hmm. That's like, hmm. Okay, I hadn't seen that. That's um wrong. Yeah, it's incorrect. Really. <laughs> um, hey, it's never actually a discrimination to call out a space for having another form of discrimination. Totally, yeah. There anyway, is a real big racist problem in the gay community. This huge. isn't homophobic. Right, yeah, absolutely. Fuck you if you think it is. Jesus, yeah. the anyway, same thing. Yeah, anyways. The the point is, is like, make sure that you're lesbian and especially like non-binary lesbian and trans lesbian spaces, which like, uh, you know, trans lesbians are term. 
your your non-binary lesbian spaces and lesbian spaces and, and queer spaces in general are actively including trans women and are not like saying shit that's like implying that trans women are lesser or bad mm-hmm. it's, and if you're moderating these spaces when you like you see people say this shit i get that it can be hard to like speak up and like call that shit out because you under like, i feel like a lot of us understand that we're all very traumatized and like being called out can feel like an attack it's not but it can feel like one mm-hmm. to a lot of people one thing i will say a phrase that really uh succinctly put it arguments are not abuse right you can get into an argument it's not abuse just yeah just so you know that there are certain you know there can be abuse in arguments totally. but it is not inherently the other way and so you can have these arguments in your trans spaces yeah. in a way that protects people yeah totally at the core of this episode is the belief that arguments are not abusive. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker, the original crypto fascist. Bordering into crypto turf. Uh, Anakin is a turf, it turns out. Oh <laughs> uh, God. Yeah, anyway. That's that's my that's my fun uh, discourse <laughs> craving is um, mm-hmm. recognize how your spaces could better include people whose understandings of gender are not the same as yours, but honestly probably have more crossover than you think. <laughs> All right, back to the non discourse cravings. I mean, assuming I don't know what craving you've got next. Tell me what you're craving. My craving is discourse free obviously because i'm bringing a different vibe tonight right my craving as i have it written is real life meccas pew pew no consequences oh (laughs) 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 all right why so you know how driving is cool and fun no what if you did that but in space in a big robot okay that does sound cool and fun Okay, um, you I, know how some people don't think driving is cool and fun because yes. they drive in cities and it can be stressful? Have uh-huh. you ever driven on a back road where there's nobody and, like, you can just go in any direction? I haven't, but I, but I understand the appeal. What if you could d- go in all the directions because you're a floating robot and God. you can move your limbs and fly the because you're a big, of... cool robot? The concept pew, pew. of concept of going for a rip in one of your in a mech is <laughs> so good to me <laughs> out for a rip are you bud and then it, the camera pans and they're just in like this huge fucking golden mecca yeah with like a giant sword so for a rip are you bud counterweight music starts playing okay let's talk about real life meccas let's talk about what would be required with no consequences how do we get there because Heaven we can't be find the u.s we cannot fund the u.s military also i feel like there are consequences in heaven will be mine yes but the one of the core things about heaven will be mine is mechs can't kill each other or their pilots that's not a thing that mechs are capable of doing so that's Mm. i think a core and important part of our mech design no mechs that are actually capable of killing other mechs they Mm, can fuck mm -hmm. them up they can have some cool duels but, like, they gotta be able to regenerate or something. Hmm. 
You ever just want to have your arm cut off and then have it regenerate? Yes. In a cool sword fight in space that that rocks. Um, I love it. So there's that. That's, to me, part one of No Consequences. Part two. So here's a consideration. Space. So here's the thing that I know about space. I know this is pretty technical, but um, you can't <laughs> breathe in space. And it's very difficult to live in space. So it's because there's no mitochlorians in space. Right, exactly. And also no gravity and also no air. Um, <laughs> well, there is gravity. Anyway, I won't get anyways. I'm minimal. There's vibe. less gravity. That's, uh, I mean, what, what's, what, how do you feel about space, Brianna? Tell me about how you feel about space. Listen, I love space, but I also recognize that trying to live there would be very difficult. I think space is rad. And also I'm aware that your muscles will atrophy if you aren't doing constant exercising in space. So here's the thing that we definitely need is we need some gravity. Can we just put like gravity generators in all the mechs? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, otherwise, you're just like floating around the cockpit, which I guess could work. I guess you could do it. Probably. I feel like you'd get into an emergency situation, not be able to respond fast enough. Totally. Um, so there's definitely like you're just plugged in. I have another question about this. Is it one mech per person? Do you really want more than one mech? No, no, no. To be clear. Do you want it to people... be like a car share? Yeah. Like, like it's a mech share? Going for a rip in your mech? Is it everyone is going for a rip in their own mechs? No, we can have a mech share. It's kind of like you park them at the edge of a street and it's like, oh, I want I want the one that looks like a giant beetle today. I was thinking more like I like that. I was thinking more like like could you have multiple people in one mech? Oh, for sure, for sure. Like sort of a Power Rangers or Voltron situation. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, that's just like that's just orgies, but in machines. Sorry, um, I just really want to make sure I heard you right. Are you saying that <laughs> Power Rangers or Voltron style mechs are just orgies in uh, giant battle machines? orgies? Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, can you a, say more about that? A, com a combinable mecha is a battle orgy. You use the power of orgy to combat the powers of evil. So. I just, I really want to be clear here. Why is it an orgy? Is multiple because people in a car an orgy? Do the cars slot into each other? I don't. I don't. <laughs> when, when one of you goes completely inside the other, becoming one entity. <laughs> I don't think that's an orgy. I you think, don't just slip into another sexual. person completely. I feel like uh, becoming one being inside of each other has a lot of sexual energy. I don't remember that from the Power Rangers show, but uh, I also don't know enough about this <laughs> to say that you're wrong. It was in the deleted scenes, for mm. sure. Oh, okay, I see. Just trust me on that one. In all the Power Rangers deleted scenes, <laughs> there is just them going, wow, it feels so good to be inside you right now. This is just like an orgy, but in mechs. Mm, yeah. I love I being really... your foot. <laughs> mm, yeah. I love being feet. <laughs> I, I am so excited to be on top of this mech. It's like being a top, being the head of the mech. It's Can sort you of give like me that. some head? 
I need head right now. Please, we need to finally form Voltron. Please give head. <laughs> I like to imagine that as a series of texts sent extremely <laughs> distressed to whoever pilots the head part of the mech. <laughs> Can I get a hand over here, please? <laughs> Oh yeah, you want you want a handy? Is that what you want? <laughs> this is dreadful. This is awful. Um, <laughs> There's no consequences. Mechs can be horny. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. I just don't mm -hmm. know that mechs are horny in Power Rangers. Maybe not in Power Rangers. Though I do feel like some of the enemies are kind of a little erotic at times. Uh huh. Well, that's just true. Of villains, because sex is evil. <laughs> sex is evil. <laughs> Oh shit, we can't have mecha sex if the mechs aren't evil. Alright, so I've tossed out the no consequences. All the mechs are evil now. So, We're recreating the entire mech genre. Okay. And they're all sexy. Okay, so so two things. First off, mm -hmm. why are can the mechs not have sex if they're not evil? Because sex is evil. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> second thing, what do you mean by the mechs are evil? Well, when you're like, yo, mech, are you good or bad? And they go, hmm, bad. <laughs> I'm the bad mech. <laughs> and then you're like, there's no way my mech is bad. I'm the pilot. And then the mech goes, hmm, evil. <laughs> and then you go, oh, mechy. And it's a sitcom. Um, womp womp. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Mecky, you blew up that entire civilization. Mecky shrugs. Oh, Mecky. Womp womp. <laughs> a mech sitcom is a fucking nightmare to me. That is a nightmare. You destroyed half of that species. They'll never be able to repopulate in time, and they'll probably go extinct. Oh, Mecky. <laughs> <laughs> Can Max have babies? Are there baby Max? <laughs> oh God, you're skipping past a lot of stuff that I'm still, <laughs> I'm still thinking about. You're still uh, processing. I'm still kind of processing the fact that to you, evil means two things. <laughs> they say that they're evil, <laughs> and then they destroy entire civilization. <laughs> There's no in between. <laughs> there are only two types of evil. Um, God. I'm feeling evil today, cute, angry face, and I have destroyed entire species <laughs> and women and children. Please feel bad for me. I had a bad day. My name honestly, is Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, those are the two types of, of like, villains, and honestly. <laughs> except for the third type of villain, who is, who is the villain who wants uh, revolutionary change, of course. Was the Death Star a mech? No. It was a space station. Why not? But what if the Death Star could turn into a mech? What if I'm just saying hey, Darth Vader should have been that a mech pilot. The thing in in fucking episode nine that should have been the fucking thing. <laughs> it should have been their new Death Star. It's just a Death Star mech. Yeah, that would have been terrifying. Yeah. And then the Death Star mech has sex with other Death Stars. That's how you know it's evil. <laughs> and not because it's an imperialist. <laughs> yeah, it's only because it starts, like, humping another Death Star. Well, I don't know, it's hard to tell, because on the one <laughs> hand... They're flying fascist flags. 
But, but you haven't had that sex robot is yet. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna say anti-hero for sure. Um, <laughs> that's Kylo Ren. Why did you why did you introduce the idea of real life mechs and then immediately ruin it? Why did you say you craved it and then ruined it? Um, I craved no consequences, and then I realized we can't do mechs with no consequences. It's true. That doesn't exist. It turns out when you build giant military technology, it has consequences. Hmm. Are you telling me that technology has consequences? Oh, I don't want to be radical. I think it's mostly about phones. I think it's actually phones are bad because they distract people. I want. I don't want to skip over Brianna Price. I don't want to be radical. Yes. No. No. I just. I think. <laughs> I think it's too radical to say that technology can be evil. You know, we all love the dancing robot dogs. So, like, mm -hmm. maybe it's just because you be on that phone. And maybe that's when technology is evil, is when you're on your mm. phone and you're not paying attention to the family. And then... Just log off, get cottage core, and yeah, there's no way just, that can be fascist. Yeah, can you... What if we just, like, logged off and then it's no longer technology no longer can control us and no longer can influence us if we simply don't engage with technology? It's you like, know what's going to protect you from the 5G waves? Getting into a mech. Because then you have mm. 6G waves. And that's better. What if we did non-technological mechs? Therefore, they would have no consequences. Mm. Wooden so like, mechs. Yeah, like magic Like a house. Mechs. What if your house could turn into a mech? That'd be good. Yeah, turn the <laughs> house into a mech. It does beg the question of how to, like, you know, I'm in a basement suite. Is it all one mech or is it two mechs? For the people who live upstairs versus the people mm. who live downstairs. I think it's one mech that sometimes uh, the pilots just don't communicate. And I mean, if you ever fly into combat, you're going to have... There's the drama. There's the story. Mm. You have to work together with your neighbors to fight off the metal mechs because wood is better. Wood is superior. Is a, is a tenant's union a mech? Well, te a tenant's union is a mech because you work together with your neighbors to fight off evil. Yeah, fuck it. A union is a mech, and as we know, all mechs are good. So that means unions are good. Get in the fucking union, Shinji. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this has been salt cravings. I think it has also been salt cravings. The vibes, we went, they went through sort of a blender, I think. There's a lot of, like, <laughs> mixing and vibing and chilling, and I think that artifact really helped influence this episode. Should I bring the artifact back? No, I, I don't think you need to do that. I don't think you need to you bring sure? back the talisman. Um, I, I think it's I think it's working. <laughs> I'm gonna working. kill you. I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna end this podcast. Um, it's working. Salt. You can find. You can find salt cravings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at salt cravings. You can go donate into the description. I guess not donate into the... You can click links into the description to find places where you can donate with your money. You should do that. Go go look you for should some, do that. some folks who, who need it. We have um, rating systems in place. We've contacted the Podcast Association and we have created a rating system. It's very unique. It goes from one to five. The only correct answer is five for yeah. us. And you can tell us the what, the best uh, yeah. mech sex position. We actually legally need you to rate it five because that's yeah. sort of how like explicit works. And this episode is definitely explicit. So you have to give it five <laughs> stars 
because five stars equals explicit podcast and this is absolutely an explicit podcast if you couldn't tell if you want to send in your cravings there's still time you can submit them at submissions at saltcravings.com you can tweet them at us you can facebook them at us you could link to the in them at us you no, can't, you can't. We don't have a linkedin but you can tweet them to us as is shown today this is uh one of the last episodes of salt cravings as we talked about last time yes uh send in ideas about what you would like to see so far um what we do know is there's going to be a stream um there's going to be a chair involved of some sort once we have more info we'll give you more info but thank you for listening to our podcast um thank you for enjoying it and as we always say talisman